Well, welcome back, everybody. Primal Athletics Radio. This is episode two of our uh, recent relaunch of kind of coming back at you guys with a fresh perspective on things. Today we are tackling, I don't want to call it an issue, but a topic of the idea of prescriptive fitness. So in, in CrossFit, I'm sure we've all seen the, the two letters RX, and that comes from the medical term as prescribed. So when you're talking about workouts, you're talking about programming, um, certain weights of workouts or lifts, uh, a lot of those things are you know coined prescribed. So we want to kind of dig into that idea. What does that mean? Why do we use it? How can it vary from person to person? Um, so something I kind of brought up before we even started recording here, I was talking to Eric and said, if you had pneumonia and you went into the hospital, would they give you morphine for your pneumonia? And Eric said, that's ridiculous. So no. Um, so same thing with our fitness, right? There's a, there's a precondition and there's a need to help meet your goal to, you know, cure whatever precondition or, or help aid that precondition. Um, so thinking in the wider range of CrossFit, there's a tool to get you to where you want to be. And that tool isn't the same for everybody. Um, so maybe we'll kind of take that as a jumping off point. Uh, we can start with an easy, easy one and I'll, I'll pitch to Levi here with RX weights, right? For a workout that might be written as like a benchmark workout. It's always got an RX weight. Right. Uh, the way I view RX weights and, uh, is that those are fine as long as you're achieving the stimulus sets um, that's created for the workout. It's like if we're doing Fran and, we want, and the RX weight is 95 pounds, that's great, but it, it should be we're trying to achieve, I mean, largely, I think in a workout like that should be fast and furious, but we're trying to achieve a very quick, very, for the even most part, unbroken type of workout for that. And if we're not able to, one, not only achieve the speed of it, but the quality and range of motion, that we have really no business going into RX weight. So we get more benefit elicited is if we aim for the quality and and, uh, and the stimulus of it and that workout being a very fast, lactolytic style of workout rather so than trying to chase the weight of what's prescribed. So we're going to benefit more and get stronger by scaling, which I think is a novel idea. Yeah, I think, um, like, for example, when I went to my L1, I had no business doing 95. Like, I was yeah. doing sets of, like, five at a time, and it was heavy for me. Yep. And so I missed out on what the workout was intended for. And um, I think maybe what we should think about is, like, what – like how did these RX weights come about? Yeah. And that kind of helps answer. So like, I don't know what you guys think of, like when you think of who should be doing an RX workout or who the, the prescription workout was designed for, who do, like, who do you guys typically think of doing that? Like how would, like how did the RX weights come about? I guess. Yeah. How would you think? For me, like the classic idiom is program for the best and skill for the rest. Yeah. Cause you want to set a good you want to set a high standard for the movers in your gym, right? And and then the culture has to ensue to support that, that um, not everybody is required or even, um, you know, we don't expect everybody to try the RX versions of everything yeah. um, because it might not be the best fit for them. Is that kind of... Yeah, I think like in the original, I don't want to speak for... Greg Glassman because I wasn't there but I think he did like from based off of the videos and stuff that was coming out at the time it was like 
look at this badass athlete. I'm going to write a workout for them, see if I can kick their butt, right. give them a really good workout, and then let's everyone else try to attack it and yeah. see how we do. And that's kind of, I think that is similar to scale, you know, right for the best and scale for the rest kind of thing. And I, I think that's why the, uh, the concept of infinitely scalable is so heavily leaned into, is that we're, of course, we're going to, we're going to see that a lot of us are going to be tasting and they want to go push RX, but we're not going to get as much out of it if we're not hitting the stimulus and quality. So, the, uh, the, in my eyes, the, the RX weight is reserved for kind of the top of the food chain type of athlete. And the vast majority of athletes aren't going to be getting to that to keep mean, their quality high. Yeah. The stimulus achieved. Yeah, I think... I think it sounds almost like elitist to talk in that way, but it, um, it, it shouldn't be. It's kind of like, this is, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of simple. It is what it is at some point, you know, it's not like you're valuing the better athlete in any way. It's just the workouts are, are written to the top performers. Right. And I think if you remove most, most people, if they remove their ego from the conversation, uh, then it kind of clears that out. Like the only real issue with you, with somebody struggling with not doing RX is because it's like, it could be damaging to their ego. Right. But mm -hmm. uh, to Levi's point, a lot of times they're going to benefit more anyway from chasing the stimulus rather than chasing the prescribed weight or the prescribed movement. Yeah. So we didn't even say this term yet, but prescribed stimulus. And that's something that uh, Eric does a great job of sharing in the weekly brief, which I think is, pretty unique to our gym. Um, for those of you who might be listening who aren't members, we get uh, the week's programming in advance and each day has a quick synopsis of what the, what the intended stimulus is. And I think that's super important for the athletes because then they're not maybe chasing, uh, you know, a certain weight or a certain movement. They're chasing what, what the benefit of the workout is, what they should be taking from it, maybe the time domain or the speed. Yeah. Well, yeah, like even like what yesterday's, which was, a five rep max power clean, and then push-ups. And I think an important asterisk to that, those push-ups, it said at, in the first round, at least get 20 or above. So you're picking a variation of movement that allows you to, to have that volume of push-up that's going to give you the best result. More so than, I want to I do um, ring push-ups, or I want to do push-ups on the ground. That you're getting, you're getting more out of it, and getting stronger, and you're in a, a more uh, safe way by, by scaling it down. Every, it's a win-win-win situation. Yeah. Yeah, and even scaling up is an option too. Like when yeah. the original days we would, I would write workouts and then maybe four years later, this workout was just way too easy or like yeah. it was, you know, it wasn't enough yeah. for most people in the gym. So maybe, you know, we're programming for like the, top 10% in the gym and that will even change also yeah. like if you take a workout like Fran in the beginning it was people would get absolutely wrecked by yeah. that and like oh wow you finished it in under 10 minutes and then it was most you know top performers are finishing under five and then three and and now it's like how fast can you perform it and you're not even tired afterwards yeah. so even the most kind of famous workout Fran is almost too easy for some people now, or maybe they should be doing 115 and chest to bars to reach that like 
you know, two to five minute stimulus where you're, you're right. smoked afterwards. I think that's a testament to the process working as well. Yeah. Like more and more people are grabbing onto the shockingly low times. Right. Because of, of following that specific prescription of ch chasing stimulus and chasing range of motion. I yeah. don't think there, there is definitely no coincidence that the very top of the food chain athletes, they all have one thing in common. They move very well and they they chase after their stimulus first. Mm -hmm. So, and they, not, not just top of the food chain in, in terms of performance, but aesthetics follows performance as well. So they look the best, they perform the best, and they're, they're making their quality the highest priority. You're not gonna see anyone being sloppy when it comes to top, the top athletes. Yeah. Yeah, I think, perf like you're saying, performance and uh, aesthetics and efficiency and moving safely, they all are yeah. going down the same path. They overlap. and Right. Yeah. It's nice here we have the, the sport option, too, which you're, you're talking about scaling up for some people. Like, um, for me, example, maybe a day like Fran, it's like, I, you know, I've hit that stimulus a million times, and now it's to the point where, you know, I'm, I might not feel as... Uh, that anaerobic like threshold feeling anymore. So maybe I need to add some poundage or, or go to a chest of bar. And I think having that option for uh, athletes in your gym is also important um, because you don't want to, yes, you don't want to set the bar too high for your, the majority of members, but you also don't want to set a ceiling for those who are reaching. Yep. Right. Cause that's only going to use this term all the time, Eric, of rising tide raises all ships. And I think that's true with the programming too. Um, we had a member here who actually made a point to me once he came from a different CrossFit gym and he said, man, your, your RX workouts here would be like the sport workout every day at my gym. And, uh, like the scaled versions that we write would be like the RX. And why is that? Why does it seem like your programming RX versions are so much harder? Um, and then we got to talking and it comes out, uh, that our fitness level across the board is just higher here. And I think, I don't think that's by accident. I think, you know, the fact that we set a kind of a, a high bar and there's a culture that, uh, is, is growth oriented allows our whole membership to be fitter. Um, yeah. not, not just the top athletes or, or the bottom athletes. And I think for the, the past, at least eight years, we have been chasing stimulus for all our athletes. Yeah. And, and that's why we're, the level is so much higher it's not because we're yeah you know just uh recruiting really fit people it's because we have you know members that have been here for 10 years and for the majority of that time they've been chasing the stimulus and trying to get the most out of that workout yeah and so that the next day the next week the next year they're better because they trained yeah. Because they trained, they didn't With compete the right every day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The right prescription, some may say. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, this can even go into like different goals for different athletes. Um, again, before we start recording, we're kind of talking about, you know, some members uh, in our gym that, that we could use as examples, not by name, but, you know, some who maybe want to compete. That's kind of their, their focal point is I want to get into a, like an elite echelon of fitness and then some who are in their sixties or older who just want to move well. And it's like, those two goals are going to have different prescriptions. Um, albeit it's all CrossFit and it's all stimulus based. Um, I kind of identifying that as a coach and maybe even as a fellow athlete in class and realizing like they're just on separate paths. So what they do and the movements they do and the weights they do are going to follow suit because there's different goals to be met. 
Yeah, I mean, going back to Fran again as an example, but you could have someone who maybe they can't squat because they've you know had years of abuse and their body's pretty broken down. They can't do pull-ups because the, those positions are tough for them. Like maybe we just put them on a bike and it's a three-minute max effort bike and they're going to get a very similar um, stimulus to someone doing yeah. 2159 thrusters. And so you can take you can take the prescribed workout and adjust it based on what that athlete needs and it's and make it the right prescription for them yeah i think that to bring it back to the ego point when i was like a young coach i didn't like people offering me like hey i'm going to change this for that or like the workout too much like i yeah i think it was yeah. my young coach ego being like well this is how it's written this right. is what we're trying to do and uh I think the more time I've spent around more athletes and the more wisdom I've gained with it, uh, I, I welcome that. And I really do appreciate when somebody's like, hey, I'm feeling this today. Yeah. I think I would be served better doing a deadlift. It's the like, flexibility has, yeah, has increased by a lot. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure with this. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's because of the understanding of like, all right, we're not just chasing a movement today. Yeah. The stimulus thing and uh, maybe a bike is going to be better than running for them or, or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Maybe we should just like go over stimulus because someone just asked me that we were talking about like masters athletes and um and if they could have an rx weight and and, and so masters athletes yeah and so i was talking about you know stimulus is always the goal and um they didn't know what stimulus was so maybe we should just go over what stimulus is anybody yeah I could try. I mean, you probably got the exact scientific definition. <laughs> but, uh, I could go layman's terms and see if. Well, you go first. Contingent. We'll see if I have anything to add. All right. Uh, so I would describe to maybe somebody who asked me in class. I would say the stimulus is the the response that the workout uh, kind of necessitates from your body or pulls from your body. So whatever uh, changes happen through an adaptation is because of the stimulus. Yeah. Um, so it's it's like a. Yeah, the prescription of the workout is maybe so that you get faster or yeah. you get stronger. Right. That's the stimulus we're aiming for. Right. Just to add on to that, it's pretty close to what I would say too, is that it's it's basically just the intensity we're seeking for the, the time that we're seeking. So if we're looking at something like Fran, then we're looking for maybe three to five minutes, um, but out of, out of a high intensity. And if we're doing something like Murph, we're having a sustained intensity. Um, but there's still, between both of those, there shouldn't be a whole lot of um, just sitting and waiting around. Now, for if we have a stimulus of, let's say, intervals, um, where we're doing three, three minutes or so of, of, uh, of work, followed by three minutes of rest, then that stimulus means you're just trying to blast through that three minutes knowing that you're going to get three full minutes of rest. So you're trying to keep each one of those high. So if at any one of those points, if we're not able to sustain that, that, that intensity that's prescribed, then we'd be better off scaling to a level that we could. Um, the other thing that I, this is kind of veering away from the subject a little bit, but it's also, I think what's important to remember for as far as achieving our exact recipe for fitness is like, where are we at? And when it comes to like the fundamentals of movement, like sometimes I've often seen athletes that uh, they're, they're getting into a bunch of chest-to-bar pull-ups 
but they don't have even kipping pull-ups, but they don't have very many strict pull-ups. Same thing, in particular, to so with handstand push-ups, and this has been a catastrophe in years gone by. Uh, I've seen a, a bunch of athletes that barely have any um, strict handstand push-ups, yet they're just slamming out kipping handstand push-up, but that also leads to some devastating injuries if we don't develop that foundation first. If we know we're falling short in the, the foundation of strict movements, then we're going to be better served figuring out and biasing our workouts towards developing that foundation. So <clears throat> this is another thing that I thought of or thought is, is relevant to that prescription for fitness. Knowing your weaknesses, accepting them, and then rather than ignoring that weakness, you're trying to address it. And then um, from that addressing that weakness, you're going to make much, you're going to get way more bang for your buck than trying to ignore it all the time and never developing that, I mean, that exposed weakness. Yeah. The Achilles heel. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's what I like to say about this stuff is that those weaknesses, it's not like we created the weakness, we've just exposed it, and now that's where we can address it. Mm -hmm. So all these things that they, they pop up for everyone, I've got a hundred different weaknesses, but I, I do a lot better when I hone in on those and then make them less of my weakness than I do just running with my strengths. Yeah, and I think it does, it is definitely related to stimulus because if you take, you know, stimulus is basically like the, the desired effect that the workout places yeah. on our body. And so if, if the desired effect is like, um, shoulder strength, volume, and handstand pushups, or like, um, you know, uh, building shoulder strength. If we're doing kipping pull-ups and like flailing our legs and yeah. um, dropping, bending our yeah, dropping necks into and, the, yeah. your shoulders and shoulder girdles, so just yeah. taking all sorts of abuse. Like the the effect is actually like load on your neck and like your your back is maybe. Yeah, you know, extending your hips up, and you know that's the that's actually okay, the stimulus. Push-ups. Yeah. yeah. Whereas if you're doing it correctly and you're chasing the stimulus, then it is it is a shoulder right. workout. So if you're chasing just the standard of head touches the ground and arms are locked out, yeah. then that's not necessarily the stimulus. So the right. standard isn't the stimulus; it's the it's the desired uh, effects on our yeah. bodies, kind yeah. of. I think that making those two things inseparable, the stimulus, and then also what's the desired adaptation from the stimulus. And that's, I, I don't use those sciencey words in class very often, but I do try to say like, hey, we're gonna do intervals today because I want you to rest so that you can hit higher intensity for longer. Yeah, That's why we're mixing rest in, so that you can develop your anaerobic system better today because right. you're not gonna poop out after two yeah. minutes. You get I, to stop and rest. Intervals to me are can always be a very scary thing because despite that rest, they're, they can be monstrously hard because the goal is to keep your intensity near each other and that's shockingly high intensity for every single one. So if you're doing this right, then you're not going to be petering off in each interval that you do. So being at a level that's going to allow you to sustain that is, is going to be the best thing for you. And the other thing I think about too is that if we are, when we're doing this, and let's say we have 100 pull-ups to do, that hopefully you're at a level where your, your pull-ups don't start going out the window when you get into the later half of them. They're not starting to look like a pile of buttholes. Uh, <laughs> they, they, you can keep it together. If you're getting to a point where you get halfway done and it's, all the wheels are shaking off the bus, 
we we should have perhaps scaled that to a different variation. Right. Even regardless of whether it's your first or hundredth rep, they can still look really good. Mm -hmm. So being able it's to have it, yep, being able to have it's there's some skill involved with knowing where you should take it to to allow yourself when keeping in mind the volume of, of reps that you have, what's going to allow you to, to hold on to making the movement look easy from someone that's watching you. That's mm -hmm. so I kind of look at one of the. Uh, this would be relatable for the members in terms of our programming here that you've all done a handful of times is the, we do intervals and then we only score your slowest round. And I love yeah, those I workouts. Love those, yeah. Psychologically it, it is uh, a challenge, but also I always make this point at the whiteboard. I'd rather you have like five mediocre shots on a target than have one bullseye and the last three shots outside of the, yeah. the paper. Yeah, right. yeah. Those are really useful workouts. And that's, I think it's, um, that's just a good analogy because everybody's experienced those workouts for um, that. The programming itself places the stimulus as what's important because that's what we're going to score at the end. Yeah. It, it used to be like, how do you score intervals? Do you add them all up or do you take your fastest one? And, and if you take your fastest one, then it, it rewards people that just do one super fast and then dog it for the rest of them. Yeah. And so this was, I don't know. I, I I saw this somewhere, and I was like, "This is just the best way to yeah score uh, intervals because it rewards people that pace it perfectly mm -hmm. to the point where the first one is like maybe not super uncomfortable, but you know you're you're pushing it, and then the last one is like you're giving every single effort you have to right. to, to keep hold that on. same yeah, time. Yeah, hold on to that. Yeah, near where you got for the other ones. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, when I found that, it was like one of the highlights Bingo. of my life yeah <laughs> i love those kudos to you on that well I, the, the the part i love about this stuff too is that crossfit is not in, in very much in very many ways it is very much a thinking man's workout there's always a strategy to whatever you do so being able to plan out how you're going to go about keeping that stimulus the same you have to sometimes be creative with what you're going to do and then stick to game plans if you just go in there and go for broke from the very get-go every single time it's going to go so much worse than if you have a planned strategy and think it out. You knowing your own limitations involves a lot of familiarity with who you are. And that familiarity is constantly going to evolve, hopefully, in the right way, not devolve. But even if it devolves, like I've had some moments where I've had an injury or taken some time off, and then I'm still comparing myself to where I was before that, those months of, of, of injury. And then when I come back, I'm, I have to be aware I'm not the same athlete as I was. I can only compare myself to the in the moment of time I am then. Mm -hmm. So I, I like the fact that there is so much thinking involved and that there's there like you're getting a, a mental and physical stimulus from it done right. And then the most important thing I think is just to keep yourself at a level where you can keep your your I mean you can keep your quality as sky high as you can. And it it's going to be some maybe towards the end it's going to be um, laborious to try and keep it at that quality, but you're still nonetheless able to. And you start learning that holding on to that economy of movement, like Tyler likes to say, which I love, um, is uh, it can be maintained even at the threshold of exhaustion. And allowing yourself to only take it to the level that you get that maintenance of it, then that's where we know we're really making some progress. There's a uh, Jordan Peterson kind of motif that he talks about that is applicable here. And he says it's it's better to win the the whole set of games than it is to win the one game.
because it's great to win one game, and especially if you dominate in you know dramatic fashion. Um, but if that means you win you you win that one and you lose the next three, uh, that wouldn't be you know worth your time and effort. But yeah. if you play say two hundred games and you win hundred and eighty of them, but maybe they're not all super dramatic and yeah. nail biting, uh, that's a better strategy for for longevity and that can be applied to fitness it's like you don't have to have the best score every day you don't have to pr every day you don't have to go as fast as humanly possible every day but if you get a decent dose and you hit that intended stimulus every day it's iterable and it's something that you can do for a long time and i think that should be most people's goal right even a performance goal i want to be able to be a high performer but i want to be able to be a grandpa high performer yeah have some longevity with it the other thing i think it's important to at least just get into a little bit into the weeds about is that where we make growth at. And I think that where, where growth is, is, is most often happening is not at those 100% efforts. You're not gonna, those are good for psychological battles sometimes to get yourself into a place where you can give every bit of yourself to the workout. But where, as far as where we make the best adaptations is at the top end, like 85 to 90%, where we can still come up, we do a workout, we can still walk outside and not be just collapsed on the floor, just suck and win, for another 10 minutes. And that's how we make the most adaptations out of it too. So it shouldn't be where you give your heart and soul to the entire workout if you're wanting to get the most out of it as far as the physical adaptation. And I think those are good to do few and far between just only for the psychological component of knowing you can take yourself there if you need it. Mm. Yeah, I think the new like generation of CrossFit athletes recognize that. Like I think Rich Froning even kind of started that where he would do many workouts throughout the day yeah but they wouldn't be at a max effort right and then other athletes start doing it. and now it's everything i mean pretty much every single games athlete recognizes that you're not yeah. you need to hold hold back a little bit so that you can train the next day the, the, the uh i remember who was that um he was a firefighter from me Matt chan no he was uh miko Salo from miko Salo. Yeah, yeah yeah i love i loved what he had to say about he doesn't if he's taking it to a workout where he's like a dying animal just all he can do is gasp and lay on the ground yeah. like he's avoiding that like the play he doesn't want to be that dying animal he yeah. wants to be able to still if you threw a surprise round at him, like okay bonus round he yeah. would still be able to do it yeah and that's i think the level that we should be trying to get to and knowing that limitation of not getting it to the hundred percent you've redlined yourself and then all you can do is sit there and gasp for air um, but ending off in some space where you could maybe squeeze out one more round if you really had to. It might all, be slower. All the science is there to support that, too, from a physiological standpoint. Like, if you smoke your CNS yeah. three days in a row, there's there's no return on your investment. Yeah. If you get, just get a proper, again, prescription, you get a proper dose of that uh, lower intensity, albeit uh, still pretty hard. It's, yeah. Oh, but there's it's still. There, there's a lot of suffering in those 85 to 90%. Oh, yeah. 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 I like, like with the Rich Froning thing, I was just going to say his name too before you jumped on, which was funny because uh, I remember watching a couple of the first years of the games and he was the only guy who could walk around after. Yeah. And I remember the announcers were like, he's never tired. Like, yeah. He never looks tired. He finishes the workout and just yeah. like walks away and everybody else is like gasping. I feel kind of bummed when I, if I do take myself to that level. I'm not happy with myself. If after the workout, all I can do is lay on the ground. I'm like, shoot, I went too hard. Yeah. I, I mean, I did that the other day, kind of, with us. Where yeah. I, 
where I just all I could do. I've never like, seen you stop at work. We were racing on the bike, and he just got off and sat there for a little bit. And I was like, "Oh, that's not. I've never seen that before." <laughs> that, I'm like, "Man, I messed up." <laughs> uh, so I'm like that. I I I feel I don't feel any victory if I if I get out of a workout and all I can do is collapse. I feel like I defeated myself and went too hard. Yeah, I think that's because you re- like there's a an easy or a very common thing where CrossFitters picture the workout of the day as a competition versus a training. Absolutely, yeah. And so I think if you have a mindset of I want to get a really good training day and oh, I, maybe I messed this up because I went out too hard out of the gates or I just pushed yeah. it too hard overall, then um, I think that shows that you have the right uh, mindset around training yeah. versus a competition. One thing I like at least what I've been through in the process of thinking about how to do workouts is that if you, you're going so hard into workouts where you get like this nervousness and butterfly feeling in your stomach every time you think about it because you think of the day before and how hard you went and how much suffering you were, that I think that you're going too hard in. But if you go in there maybe with a little excitement, but you're not scared of it because you didn't take yourself to that gnarly CNS text um, element of yourself, that you shouldn't be scared of the workouts. You should be more excitement than, than scared. And if, if you start pacing yourself to be like, okay, this is going to suck for a little bit, but it's not going to be horrific, then that's when you start. I feel like that's when I started learning that the proper pacing. And, and miraculously, every all of my workouts, I started getting bigger, stronger, faster with it, and there wasn't near as much pain involved. Yeah. I just kept pushing that like the 85% more and more and more, where my 85% was becoming my old 100%. Then again, then again, then again. I think uh, I experienced that big time, and you you kind of turned me onto this years ago. But um, like when I came into CrossFit, I had this college football players mindset, and I applied it, and it. I thought I was doing you know more is better, faster is better, heavier is better, and uh, I made progress at the beginning, but then it was just kind of like you know everything petered out, and I started getting really sore, and I wasn't really seeing the you know the beginner's progress anymore, and we had a conversation a long time ago about raising your baseline rather than raising your top end to, to your point there. And, uh, that really changed how I approached doing things. And I feel like, um, I'm, I'm a 10 times the athlete I was five years ago. Oh yeah. And I do things with less oomph. A lot of the times I just focus on being a good mover and doing it consistently. And like, yeah, I'm, I'll testament to that all day that, uh, if you, if you invest in your, your movement and your in your stimulus, then right. so nothing you, bad you is going to You suffer less, you gain more. It's only a win-win-win, as Michael yeah. Scott would say. <laughs> <laughs> I do think people equate that effort, the lying on the ground effort with, I got a good workout today. Yeah. But it's it's almost backwards. It's almost right. like you, you might have just got a bad workout yeah. because you're lying on the ground. And right. I, I have members here who it's like, well, that wasn't hard enough because I wasn't, you know, Right. I wasn't dying. Yeah. Like, well, you shouldn't be dying every day. Right. The, it's, and then if, we, if we're looking at not to, could we use these top of the food chain athletes as examples, but if we look at them and we see even a world record lift by what are Ilya Ilian or something, you see the world record lift. No one's ever touched this weight before in history on record. And they can make their world record lift look like warm-up lifts. It's because they're so used to They never touch their failure sets. They never get themselves to a point where it's questionable whether they're going to do it. So when they get at that world record list, they've already they've already locked that in the bag. It's just a matter of now it's time to do it. Right. 
And if we're and then because that movement is so pristine, even at world record levels, there's no there's very little risk of injury. So that's how we get ourselves in, in, into those um, those top percentages, and whether that's percentage of any intensity for a conditioning, whether that's percentages of um, what you're doing for strength. That you're you already you should already know with certainty you're going to get it before you even try. And I think for just for people who ha have you know kind of a bias to like being more cerebral about the scores and they care about like the competitive side, most nine out of ten crossfit workouts it, you're going to be served better being able to move seventy percent of your max. Yeah. Excellent for yeah. a lot of reps than you would be moving ten more pounds right. on your one rep max. Like. There's really right, only yes. a couple events ever or a couple workouts ever that are really going to pull out that top end strength. Um, but for somebody who's got great like mid-range capacity, they can move yeah. 60 to 70% of their barbell forever. Right. Um, that's yeah. better for CrossFit, I think. The one thing I really like about um, Primal Athletics is that a lot of times there's prescribed percentages for, for the scaling options. And I think those are very useful for anyone. Like, if you see the prescribed percentage for one of the scaled workouts and it says, whatever, 55%, and you look at your 55% and it's way, it's, um, it's way below what the prescribed weight is for, our, let's say, our advanced athletes, then I would have some deep consideration of whether you should scale from that point. Because those prescriptions are designed to be, that's what the, basically, around that is what the, the actual RX or sport weight should be, too. Yeah, I've even, I've... There was one day where I did a sport was percentage and RX was a pound and scaled was also a percentage. And yeah. people came in, they said, oh, you know, sport is is lighter for me than uh, RX because, you know, say your back squat is 200 and it calls yeah. for 50% of your back squat. And they're like, oh, I, I can only squat 150. So 75 pounds of sport. Um, and it's kind of semantics at that point. Like, right. like. Like, yeah, it might be, you might be doing sport percentage, but like, you know, the, that doesn't really matter. Like yeah. The, the reason why I would put percentages, because if you have a 400 pound back squat, then maybe the RX weight is too light for you, you know? Yeah. So. so yeah, Dave, you talk about like, if we're talking about the, the advancement of athletes, if you are, if you've got more years under your belt, and you're, you're a more advanced athlete then your percentage is going to be closer to what your nervous system contractile strength actually is. So that's why for the sport athlete, then if they're doing a percentage of 70%, it's going to be much closer to what they actually are able to do than someone that's got, what, based off of how hard their muscles can contract, based off of than someone that's been here a few months. Yeah. This is starting to bleed into... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> CrossFitter autonomy, which was supposed yeah. to be episode number three. Yeah. Uh, which I, I think, still think it's relevant. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it is for sure. Um, but th this would be kind of a nice segue into next week. With um, So we talked about prescription. We talked, well, week one was kind of like, where should your priorities be, right? What's our philosophy behind fitness? Yeah. And, and now, all right, what does that call for? What's the prescription to get you there? Now, how are we going to give uh, athletes tools to be autonomous so they can make decisions that serve them? Um, that get them closer to their goals and, and give them that longevity. Uh, so I think before we close out, like I think thinking of coming into the gym, almost like you're coming into a doctor's office, like, like what is your issue now? What do you need be, to be prescribed so that you can achieve a higher level of fitness and health overall? And thinking of the gym in that way, I think is 
is a very important mind shift. So like if you're coming into the gym and you are, you know, 70 years old, you have knee replacements, you have, you know, shoulder uh, surgeries in your background, like what should be your prescription to get the most, to get the highest level of fitness and health that you can. And, you know, that might be different than someone who just graduated college. They played high level sports their whole life and, you know, they've been into fitness and they're super healthy, no injuries, you know, what should their prescription be coming into the gym? And so, you know, that's kind of the coach's job is to look at someone and say, oh, you should be doing overhead squats. And maybe instead of snatch balances today, this person should be doing mobility. Right. So um, thinking about that is... It'd be a disappointing sentence, but... (laughs) (laughs) But sometimes that's the case. Right. And so I think it's important to to think of it like that. Like what is, how is, how is stepping foot in the gym today going to get you to the highest level of health and fitness tomorrow kind of thing? And that's yeah. what, that's what it should be every day when you come in. Right. The dose, the proper dose. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. And uh, we hope you guys appreciated the conversation. If you got topics that you want to hear specifically, uh, please comment below and send us some stuff and we can dig into whatever you guys want to hear about. So until next time. Okay. Alright. So did we get off the rails a little better? No, I honestly that was